everyone. Hi, gorgeous, charmed. Uh, Serena Shahidi here with Let Me Ruin Your Life. How's it going? How was your week? How was your however much time it's been? I am here uh, by myself right now. We're going to have a guest later this episode. But right now I'm here with um, a bottled Aperol Spritz that I want to try right now because I've never seen this before. And I'm so excited. 9% alcohol. Is that a lot? I don't know. Um, I do own a bottle opener. I'm not like most girls. <laughs> do you have those friends who are like, do you want to see me open this bottle with my teeth? And you're like, no. Why would I want that? And they always do it. They always do it. What is up with those people? What's the deal? Anyway, um, let's try taste test. Mmm. Okay, very sweet. Very, very sweet. It just like overall a lot more Aperol-y, which I guess makes sense because it's made by the Aperol people. Our Aperol be- besties. Our personal besties. Okay, so I guess that's... This is setting the tone for the podcast, so we're going to have a nice sweet episode. You guys know me. I'm a little sweetie. That's what everyone says about me all the time, and I just want to really show that, you know? I want to communicate that so the whole world knows I'm a little sweetie. Um. Anyway, so two episodes ago, if you'll recall, I interviewed Daniel Spielberger, the genius behind Lindsay Lohan's lastfan.tumblr.com. And just to recap, in case you guys didn't listen to that episode... Uh, imagine if you didn't listen to that episode. Imagine if you didn't give this podcast five stars and say, um, Serena's a genius and someone should give her a book deal. That's my new thing. Have I said that before? That's my new thing. Um, getting a book deal. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to deserve anything. Right? Like, that's kind of my career goal is, like, I don't want to have to write a book pitch and, like, go through the process. I want things handed to me. My goal in life is just to see what I can get away with. That's really, that is my purpose. I came here, I came to Earth, and I was like, what can I do? What can I, he, 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 evil laugh, what can I get away with? And so, uh, we'll see. If someone gives me a book deal, we'll see. Anyway, lindsaylohanslastfan.tumblr.com. If you'll recall, the quasi-satirical fan blog ran from 2011 to 2014, which was well past the peak of Lindsay Lohan's film career. She was a lot more known for her arrests and rehab stints and bad on-set behavior at that point, and the blog consisted of various pictures of Lindsay with angsty text on top that was written from the perspective of a character Daniel had developed, which was this lonely, tormented teenage girl that was projecting her sorrows onto the image of Lindsay Lohan. Hence, Lindsay Lohan's last fan. Now, part two of the interview is going to follow later this episode, where we're going to be talking about internet nostalgia, stan culture, 2010s Tumblr, and so on. And one of the reasons that I was so drawn to this blog in the first place, uh, enough to interview Daniel, is because I'm so interested, and one of the things that we're going to 
touch on in the interview, but that I want to talk about before that, which is sort of the idea of performance art on social media, experimentation on social media. And the blog really explored the parallels between performance as a celebrity and everyday performance that we're all participating in. So once again, I'm going to be describing some of my favorite posts from the blog that relate to that subject. First one uh, is a zoomed-in, pixelated photo of Lindsay in sunglasses and a nice red lip. My existence is Lindsay. I close my eyes and zoom in closer and closer. I don't believe in fantasy. Loving her is my new reality. Uh, Her in a little black dress at a fashion event... Ladies and gentlemen, this is a concept, not a human being. Her, posing with her hands on her hips on a red carpet. We are all performing our existence. Just make sure someone with a camera is watching. I mean, do I not say that all the time? We're already performing. Might as well put on a goddamn show. That's my motto, eventually. Eventually. Essentially is the word I was looking for. Way to prove that I'm good with words. Anyway, my personal favorite post which is a question from a follower. If you guys remember uh, Tumblr back in the day, used to have a little inbox function. They asked, is this blog real or sarcastic? This is a serious question. And the response, I don't believe in either. So I want to talk more about this idea of performance art on the internet, what some may call inauthenticity on the internet, or what I would call it, what the internet is for. And this makes me miss the early days of the internet because the line between digital world and the real world is so blurred now. And everyone's supposed to be so real and so raw and relatable and like put all the medications that they're taking in their Twitter bio or whatever. But back in the day, there were stars like Fred. You remember Fred? The Fred movie? Uh, Boxy? iconic and better examples that I can't think of right now. Uh, I mean, those characters were by no means funnier than what's on the internet today. Even though Boxy was kind of everything, like I want to take her to brunch. But there is definitely something to be said about that type of experimentation because you don't really see people online curating characters in the same way anymore. It's all about, like, relatable influencers who are just like you. I've talked about that before, the the concept of the relatable influencer. And I'm using that more as a genre than a descriptor because there's always going to be value in relatability and we're all going to be relatable in certain senses to certain people. But I hate the genre. I hate the trend of there being a genre of relatable influencers. Of course, you know, there is something to be said for relatability, but when that's our only measure of value, when there's no joke or fun or interesting anything, and it's just like, I'm an average person. Here's what I did today. Kill me. Kill me. And obviously, like, they exist for a reason. That's what the market wants. They're succeeding for a reason. There's no reason for them to stop. Like, I watched a commentary video 
earlier today about how Dixie D'Amelio, and for all the MILFs listening who don't know who Dixie D'Amelio is, she is a TikToker with a very young audience who essentially just reached stardom because her sister got famous for doing dances and now she like makes YouTube videos that are incredibly boring. Um, and they're not wrong about her videos being very low effort. They're giving nothing. I'm not going to disagree with that, but... That is, at the end of the day, all people want from her. If I was just making millions being like, hey guys, today I'm going to be brushing my teeth, or whatever it is she does, I wouldn't change my content. I would keep doing it until it had completely eaten away at my soul. There's no reason for her to, like, diversify. So, I mean, get your bag, creators, but there are certain trends that, from a broad view, are disappointing to me. Nothing against individual creators. First of all, I just think it's generally so condescending for the market to be like, don't you want to see what a regular, average, random-ass person is doing every second of their life? Don't you want a LOLOL rafflecopter when they say that they love food and hate waking up early? And to sweeten the deal, we've made sure they're completely average in every way. Not particularly funny or interesting or charismatic. And that's the point. They're just like you. And you're a loser. I genuinely, I think the founders of BuzzFeed should be jailed for what they have done to culture. I've said it before, I'm brave enough to say it again, BuzzFeed is a terrorist organization. And it's crazy to think how much that they've influenced content and the internet when they decided to just start pumping out huge quantities of hot garbage every day about... Uh, liberal feminism and loving iced coffee and manspreading for some reason, which, by the way, I don't know if you guys remember that. There was a BuzzFeed video back in the day about manspreading. It was called, I revisited this recently. I don't even know if I like saw it when it came out, actually, but I watched it recently because I was just so fascinated that this was created in the first place and, like, why did anyone do that? And it may be, like, actually the worst thing I've ever seen. And I've been to a lot of comedy open mics, so that's saying a lot. First of all, man-spreading for a week, that's not a challenge. I don't know, I don't know why they chose to, like, present it as a challenge to man-spread. I mean... It, it would be a challenge for me, but that's different because I wear micro mini skirts. They were wearing pants, so doesn't make sense. It's and it's just like as tone deaf corporate liberal feminists as you would expect. This one girl, go I had to. I literally rewatched this part of a goddamn BuzzFeed video several times because I couldn't believe it. This one girl goes. I consider myself a strong feminist, but I'm going to be anxious about manspreading this entire week. Like, Queen, no offense, but I don't think you're a strong feminist. Uh, that actually doesn't make sense at all. And I also, I don't understand why they made that an issue. Like, yes, men are annoying. They can take up too much space. 
if it's that dire of a situation, that's when you tell them to scoot over or you kick them. You take your little kitten heel and you knock it against their ankle. And I know. I know. Women, we've been taught to be passive. Women have been taught to be passive. Ugh. I know. I know we have. But at certain, at a certain point, you have to say, I am a woman. I'm a woman who is capable of kicking strangers. Because that's what strong women do. Grow up. Kick people. Start kicking people. You're a goddamn adult. And, like, the idea of manspreading was just created by girls who saw men taking up too much space on public transportation and instead of being like, hey, can you make some room? Like, you look like an asshole, which is the normal thing to do. They decided to take a picture and tweet about it. And, baby, here's a life lesson that is infinitely applicable. If you see someone doing something in public that bothers you and instead of saying something to them... You take a picture and post it on the internet, unless they're fully armed, right? Unless they have a gun. You are always the asshole in that situation. I don't care what they're doing. If there's no gun and you're tweeting a picture and you didn't say a word to them, don't care what they were doing. Don't care. You're wrong. Sorry, you're wrong. Um, I guess masturbating is different. <laughs> I just realized it. Mm, anyway, um, <laughs> I'm going to change the subject. Okay, relatable content. That's what we were talking about. I, I genuinely think that people should be offended that the type of content that's shoved down our throats, like the, the fact that the value of quote-unquote authenticity is we're taught that it has some greatly profound worth outside of the fact that it makes advertisers money. People are more likely to buy things that relatable influencers promote. That's it. That is their only value. That's it. And it's so PR-y to encourage people to be authentic on the internet, which is a place that like not only encourages self-curation, but requires, like the internet is self-curation. That is what you're doing on it it's so like reductive and empty to just be like stop caring what other people think be yourself shut up and like the the idea of being authentic in a space like the internet that does not allow for nuance that gets angry at anyone who has an interesting point of view that takes everything out of context inherently discourages complex thought and like being a complex person you know like a person if you can be 100% yourself on social media great but you're dumb <laughs> like that's what that's what a stupid person can do our like obsession with this singular cohesive capital s self is like killing the other sides of us off like, the duality of man, hello? Ever heard of her? And it's also very limiting just because of, like, what we've been taught an authentic or relatable person looks like, which is such a singular image. People who are being themselves are always portrayed as being, like, relatable but quirky. They're so quirky. And it's like, 
well, maybe my true self is someone who isn't incredibly annoying, right? What if it doesn't look like that because I'm not entirely intolerable? What now? I need the space to explore that. And I love the theory. And I'm, I'm getting on a bit of a tangy here. That is relatively unrelated to this episode and interview, but baby, you handed me the keys. You're coming along for the ride. And baby, I do not have a driver's license, obviously. But anyway, I'm fascinated by like the sociological concept of dramaturgy, which Shout Out was introduced by Irving Goffman. Um, and it basically is the idea that what we think of as the self is not a property of the individual, but something that we're performing when we interact with other people. Oh, this was actually, I was talking about this with a friend the other day. And by friend, I do mean sexy businessman from Dubai that I met while drinking a cold brutini. You got me. You know me too well. Um, anyway, <laughs> our identity or a behavior, whatever you want to call it, all of that, it's the idea that that doesn't exist in the context of a social interaction, but is created as a result of it. So when we're interacting with other people, we're adjusting our performance to guide their perception of us. And we know this, right? When I'm out with the girlies and we're being loud and annoying and just silly, silly billies, and I see a potential suitor, right? A dashing gentleman in a tailored suit. You better believe I'm sitting up straighter and putting my best Emily Post manners to the test. My voice is going from this. Hi, let's get another drink. Do you get another drink? To, hi, I'm Serena. Nice to meet you. You're looking dapper. What's the occasion? Oh, just celebrating life. Ugh, aren't we all? Unless we're in Brooklyn or something, in which case I am just grabbing his hand and introducing him to everyone I know as my new boyfriend, which I did the other night. Uh, shout out to Peter. <laughs> I feel like that's a common enough name that I can say that and it's not a violation of privacy. Peter, uh, text me if you disagree. Uh, poor thing. Lovely, uh, lovely, poor, poor boy. Um, anyway, it, what I'm saying is either way, the way I present myself is dependent on the setting and the crowd and on larger factors like cultural norms, the things I was raised with, my goals, what I want to get out of the interaction. And I mean, small talk is a whole production of itself. Like, we can acknowledge that none of us really like small talk. None of us really know how to have it, 100%. But it is necessary socially so that you can break the ice with someone and let them know that you're open to conversation and that you're not crazy, mostly. Because... I mean, if I decided to lead with a stranger with just whatever I was thinking about or whatever idea that I most want to talk about at that moment, I would be burned at the stake. Like, the Salem witch trials would be rebooted just for me. They would burn me at the stake and then end them once again. Like, it would be just for me. And it annoys me when people are like, fuck small talk, can we just talk about... 
outer space in the Illuminati. And it's like, no, because people are scared of you when you do that. Because people hear you open with that and think, I shouldn't have come here. Something bad is going to happen to me. You have to lead with the not crazy. Another life lesson. That's part of the performance. I should, should that be the title of my self-help book? Lead with the not crazy? Um, yeah, so our, our identities <laughs> um, are being like constantly remade through every interaction we have. And I feel like discussion of this idea is often misconstrued as criticism of it. Like the idea that, I don't know, people hear that and I feel like they hear like, we're always acting, we have to get back to our roots and be ourselves. No, ew, we don't. First of all, like it's a theory, not an after school special lesson. And it's not necessarily a bad thing to be performing if there is no singular unchanging self because then staying true to yourself actually means like constantly experimenting and branching out and trying new things like I always say me and my bestie Irving Goffman we always say this and he knows that and he knows that about us and he's at home giggling right now um in his coffin We're going to be performing all the time, right? All of our lives, because we can't like uninstall social norms or context or setting. No amount of ayahuasca can undo all that, right? We're always going to be performing. And that's why I choose to put on a goddamn show. I mean, if I'm going to be starring anyway, it might as well be a production, right? There might as well be an adoring crowd. There might as well be a few costume changes, perhaps. Maybe a musical number. I would love that. Um, oh, there's like a fly in here. How disgusting. I also think, I think relatability is such a catalyst for parasocial relationships with figures and with whatever, whoever and whatever else we're interacting with. One of my favorite tweets of all time is... is pop star a feminist is mastercard a queer ally is this tv show my friend that's a tweet from 2015 and it has only gotten more and more relevant daily i mean as our like delusional assignment of moral and emotional values to brands and people and things has advanced which is just, it's such a, I, I don't know. It's like anthropomorphism that we don't even recognize as that. It's so bizarre. And even though, like, obviously, some of those examples are people. But when someone's talking about, like, what's up with Harry Styles? Or, like, how perfect, how dreamy is Harry Styles? They're obviously talking about the figure, the enigma of Harry Styles and not the person who was like just some dude, right? Just some dude who has to write Harry Styles on his tax returns. Embarrassing, by the way. But like, you know, this figure, he's he's attractive because we're told he is, even though he's British. He's unproblematic because he has a PR team who stop him from saying things. He's a fashion icon because he has a stylist. 
And also because we're lying to ourselves. Like, cool it with the ruffles. We get it. You're over toxic masculinity. Maybe get back into it. Maybe get dip your toesies back in that water just a touch because you're annoying me, right? The pattern suits, they wear him. They wear him. But that's the thing, like, images that seem uncurated, the quote-unquote authentic bitches, are the ones that are the most painstakingly curated. Because, like, for a celebrity, it's real easy to just, like, get caught doing drugs or release a sex tape or call the paparazzi or hook up with John Mayer. I'm sure it's real easy to hook up with John Mayer. But what's difficult is to go the opposite route and seem down to earth and wholesome. I can't do that. And I'm like a person, kind of. Something like that. Um, As far as brands go, too, I hate... This doesn't even have to do with anything, but (laughs) just in reference to that tweet, because it sparked a fury that always exists in me, I hate this era of, like, relationship marketing. I hate that I am always being bombarded with messages of, like, Chipotle being like, um, do you ever get hungry AF, though, girl? Fuck you. 24 epic Twitter comebacks from the CIA that will make you yas queen. 40 Chrissy Teigen tweets that you'll really feel if you're literally the worst person in the world. It's literally just like the not like most girls phenomenon, but with corporations. And girls are better than corporations, in my opinion, unless it's a girl corporation, in which case it's the best thing ever. Anyway, bring back experimentation on the internet. Bring back fun. I miss fun on the internet. Bring back trolling. Bring back Rick Rolling. <laughs> Rick Astley was so sexy in that video. Is he alive? I'm going to Google that. Um, bring back internet characters. And let's stop acting like anything on the internet is important. And let's just be silly an experiment, and go cuckoo bananas. And that's all I have to say on that. Now for the interview with Daniel Spielberger, which kind of leaves off in the middle of it because I didn't plan to do two separate episodes, but we're about to discuss our Tumblr experiences, our favorite internet characters, and why your fave is problematic. .tumblr.com So what was your like, what was your experience with Tumblr at the time? Because I know like early 2010s, Tumblr was a different universe. Well, yeah, I think I think the Internet in general back then was you could do more things without getting canceled. It was more irreverent. Mm -hmm. It was more um, experimental. Yeah, especially Tumblr back then. And then I remember things like around 2012 and 2013, 2014, Tumblr started becoming very like discourse heavy. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, but I remember 
it was it just seemed like it, that like Tumblr was just like all these different like niche communities, you know, and that it was interesting seeing where these like kind of like poems on photos of Lindsay end up. So they can end up on like a very <laughs> emo blog or like a weird art kid blog or like actual Lindsay Lohan stand blogs, you know? Love that. And, and then sometimes like the real Lindsay Lohan stands would be like, wow, this person is like the weirdo of our group. Like, who is this person? <laughs> <laughs> but it was kind of, that's, I think that's like kind of like the beauty of Tumblr is that like through the reblog function, and people curating kind of these like mood boards that there's more potential to like get introduced to other parts of the internet. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about that recently because I recently started like collecting a lot of the stuff I like on the internet and I'm just putting it into one notion page, whether it's like a picture, a tweet, a video, something like that. And I realized like, I'm just making a Tumblr, but like, there's also, you know, there's not really the equivalent now where it's like a multimedia mood board and you can just kind of include whatever you want, even if it doesn't uh, correlate with the rest of it. Yeah, and I, I think I agree, and I think that Tumblr, um, yeah, people were definitely Tumblr famous. Yeah, but it wasn't necessarily like all these other apps where you get to use. You don't. I don't think you were able to see everyone's followers mm-hmm. um, page, and you could see how many notes something gets, but it wasn't this like aggressive need to go viral in a way. And some yeah. people didn't post their own original content. It was this kind of like private mood board thing, and also a lot of people. It's um, it was kind of like how MySpace like taught people HTML coding. Like people got really good at coding because of Tumblr. Oh my god, I remember being like thirteen, <laughs> and my brain does not work in that way in any capacity. But I remember like taking a theme code and adjusting all these things, and like doing doing little pieces of code, which I definitely have not done since. See, exactly. If, if Joe Biden is listening to this, we need Tumblr classes. Yes. In elementary school. Love that. Voting for the future. Let the five-year-olds participate in ACE discourse. Exactly. Just Rotted my brain. <laughs> so what is your favorite, if you had to choose one, internet performance, if you will? If you um, were to give an internet Oscar, who would it be to? Uh, besides myself, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think... Uh, we talked about Lonely Girl 15 is compelling. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, I think she was good. And I think it was interesting because it was innovative of like, we're using this vlog. If you're not familiar, Lonely Girl 15 was like this vlog of this girl who's lonely. She's talking about her life. Um, and it was on YouTube, I think in 2006 or 2007. It was like early YouTube. Yeah. And then... Turns out it was just all scripted and it was like a performance. Yeah, it turned, it like went into a plot, went into like some CW shit. But the first, I remember the first uh, like episode of it, seeing it all the time, just this girl on her floor being like, yeah, I don't know. Like I'm goofy. I live in a small town, just very that, very relatable, whatever. And then it slowly got into, she started mentioning some weird religion she was a part of. And then it got a little too CW. I Uh tapped out, but like bitches were dying. There were cults. I don't, I mean, I couldn't tell you what happened, but I could give an Oscar. It it, it was Oscar worthy, but it was also, it, it can't be done again because 
it was just of the moment. So that, mm-hmm. that I think is kind of the best moment of the internet. For yeah. Me. It's like, oh, okay. I don't know. You can like, oh, people are just posting you things on YouTube. Okay. Someone's gonna do like a narrative performance. And that seems cool. I love uh, Chris Crocker, like leave Britney alone. It's time. Ooh. Yeah. So Wait, yeah. What am I hearing? Sorry, I'm hearing like an echo of my voice. It's... Oh. Okay. Leave Britney alone is good. Um, recently, the TikToker, uh, Rosa, she's she's great. What's that? The Who is that? Rosa TikTok. Um, uh, Adam Martinez. Adam oh, the, that like character. Yeah, that character is very funny. Very, that very was funny. everything. Yeah. So yeah, I think, and that too also, you know, like, going on TikTok and just being like, who is this person? Um, and th- th- I think that TikTok is also very narrative too. So those are my, those are my favorites, I would say. Um, how about you? I mean, definitely Lonely Girl 15 is up there. I was like there to experience it. So, you know, that was a, a once in a lifetime opportunity, really. I would give several to Trisha Paytas, controversial yeah. Yeah. opinion. Um, whether you like her or not, she's committed. done some things. Yeah, she's committed. <laughs> I don't even know what to say because it's like, where do I start? I've been watching her for probably like 10 years and she has done um, just about anything, everything. She's been everyone. She's had every scandal. And well, now I'm obsessed with frenemies. Don't even get we're, me started. We're frenemies. <gasps> oh, my God. Do you know who Ethan Klein is? H3H3? H3H3, no. Yeah, okay. He has, he had has this podcast, H3H3. I don't even know what they really talk about on there, but he started a podcast with Trisha called Frenemies. And they just, I can't describe it other than like, they just like talk shit. They eat pizza. It's a disaster. I've seen every episode probably like four times. Um, it's incredible. With Trisha. Okay, I'll yeah. listen. All I the like- Oscars. Trisha's, the, the uh, she did like a Passover song. I love you, Moses. Oh my God. My friend and I, this was so funny. My friend the other day, she invited me over. She was like, I want to watch like a psychological thriller or something. We ended up watching two episodes of Frenemies, which by the way, they're like two hours each. (laughs) And then like every Trisha Paytas music video. Well, the thing is like Trisha Paytas is, you know, I think like the last vestige of a camp. Yes. I, I, I just did the air quotes. I forgot you're not going to see this, um, but it's campiness and like a lot of it's very over top, over the top. Yeah. And so like, you know, that is part of the performance, too, is that maybe Trisha really wanted to be sincere with that scene. But because <laughs> we'll never know. So and that's the that's the charm. Ex- it's delightful. Yeah. So it's, since it's so exaggerated and over the top, you can't help and be like, oh, wow, this is kind of funny. Even yeah. though it's awful. So that is Trisha Paytas in a nutshell is, and I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where like, you don't want, I I don't really want to know what Trisha Paytas thinks about everything. (laughs) I don't want to know her political opinions. I don't want to know whether she's like told, she must be in on the joke at a certain level, but you know, part of the, the, the fun is, oh, wow, this is a total 
character. Exactly. You never know. You like you were talking about how early internet, it was more experimental. And I think that was like the charm of it. And it's like why I think about it so much because it's, I don't know, it's very exciting to see people do that instead of, you know, going online. And I don't even know what influencers do now, but they're no uh, lonely girl. <laughs> well, yeah, that's something I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see too. Um, whether people are going to do like their own narrative form of like uh jake's paul what's this how what's the house he has hype whatever what's the house uh, mm, um uh not mm, i don't know something it was like yeah. i feel like that was the first like house i heard of exactly yeah so these like influencer houses i know like brandon wardell the comedian did like a, a spoof of them but i'm wondering i love him yeah so i, I saw you followed me on twitter the other day i was like what Funny, funny guy. Yeah, so I'm wondering if anyone's going to like do kind of like a prank like that. Like, oh, this is all fake, you know. What if the Paul brothers <laughs> have been in on the joke the whole time? Then they get the Guggenheim Genius Grant because it is a very elaborate prank. So 100%. <laughs> do you remember uh, Cole Sprouse's Tumblr? Is that where? No, I do not. But he, he, no. Cole Sprouse's Tumblr. I only vaguely remember it, but it's like Cole Sprouse started Tumblr and everyone was like, this was also kind of before Tumblr was very mainstream. So everyone was like, a celebrity on Tumblr, what? And he just, um, he would just answer, this is when he had like long hair and he was like studying anthropology. I don't know. Um, He would just- that phase. He just answered people's questions about like anthropology. It was very pretentious and and douchey. And then he was like, this blog has been a social experiment and deleted it. Wow. The artist is present. Um, that, yeah, I think I'm always interested when celebrities have like secret uh, social media accounts. Like Lord has- I was just about to say her onion rings. She has an Instagram that's for like an, a review account for onion rings. So it's like, oh, well, what's the deal with that? I mean, I feel like that speaks for itself. She did what she had to do. She did. She did what she had to do. Okay. I want to talk. I'm so excited about this. Uh, Your fave is problematic, which is a blog that has fascinated and enthralled me for years. Did you read, there was, I think, a New York Times article that was written by the girl who started the blog? it's on my list, but yeah, so it's, it's I'm like, I ran this blog. I was this person. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So your favorite problematic was a blog where it kind of just listed every problematic thing, all these celebrities. Yeah. It had a list. You could click on your favorite celebrity and you could find out what's wrong with them as a person. <laughs> um, I want to play a game. Sure. We're going to play because it's your favorite problematic we're going to play um, Guess the Problem. <laughs> Guess the Problem. Okay. So I'm, I'm just going to scroll to like a random celebrity. I feel like I want to pick one that like we know nothing about their scandals. So I love how Mel Gibson is on here. Oh, God. Like a <laughs> little more than problematic. Is, problem- uh, is Mel Gibson problematic? I, I, I haven't heard anything about Mel Gibson. I can't tell if you're being serious. I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> Performing. Love. Exactly. I was about to be like, I have news for you. <laughs> um, 
let's do ooh, Vanessa Hudgens. What what's her problem? Um okay, so this is this was probably in 2013. This was published. Yeah. So I think it I, ended in like around then, 2014, something like that. What did she do that's problematic? Do um if I get it wrong, I have to take a, a sip of the absolute. Oh my so, god. <laughs> it um she did uh, MDMA at Coachella, and that was a bad role model for the kids. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's appropriation. Oh, okay. okay, okay. Big- she had a headdress on or something like. That. Ooh, I honestly, I bet that's true. Okay, let's let's see, Vanessa Hudgens. Oh, um. Here she is dressed up as what I guess is some sort of Native American outfit. Okay. A repeated appropriation of the binge. It's literally, hold on. Is this, it's literally just pictures of her at Coachella. That's so funny. That's the thing. Coachella was a trap. I think Coachella is a trap. Honestly, you can't go to Coachella without being canceled. <laughs> I, honestly, I give like, I give Coachella celebrities a pass because like they're on drugs in their defense. They're yeah, they're on drugs and they're being giving these swag bags. They, yeah, they're, they're it's also like well. what it, they're going to the worst place in the world. <laughs> it's a, it's a literal. What are we expecting with drugs and swag bags and people and hyenas with cameras? What do you yes, expect? Exactly. All right, Drew Barrymore. I feel like I oh, I can't is, even. This makes me sad because I love Drew Barrymore. I just watched uh, 50 First Dates for the first time. Love. That is an, a really amazing movie. Um, what did Drew Barrymore do? I'm, she made a bad joke about Stevie Wonder. I don't know. That's I'm gonna, I was also thinking she just probably like fucked up her words in an interview. That's my guess, yeah. vaguely. Let's see. Oh, also appropriated a Native American headdress. Oh, that's her only thing. (laughs) Just one bullet point, Drew. (laughs) Good for you. Good for her. Could be a lot worse. I just took, I took a shot because I didn't know what Drew Barrymore should be canceled for. I love that. All (laughs) right. Oh, pink. What do we think pink did? Um, She uh, appropriated. Oh, oh. what are you going to say? Remember when Katy Perry had that like homophobic song? I feel like Pink has probably. Oh, oh, I know. Pink's song is uh, stupid. Stupid girls is problematic. That she has this song, "Stupid Girls," which is actually a reaction to what we were talking to about the DUI celebrities. Oh, it's a bop, but you're listening to it, you're like, oh shit, this is trigger warning, Chella. So it's like she makes fun of bulimia. Uh, alcoholism she makes fun of she calls all these like she slut chains so she's gonna be accused of so it, all it's right all let's see okay appropriating and sexualizing the kimono appropriating okay. locks oh this is kind of long trivializes and makes fun of domestic abuse of men in her please don't leave me video uh, that oh my god okay <laughs> um it's a quote from her I have the opposite of body dysmorphia where when I'm a bit chubby, I think I look kind of great. I'm like, damn, you look good. And everyone else is like, no, you're fat. I'm like a 400 pound Italian woman on the the inside screaming to get out. All I want to do is walk barefoot in my kitchen and eat pasta. I wish fat was in because I'd be so good at it. That That feels body posy. That is is body posy. 
Is that there's and then a stupid girls covered? Um, yes, stupid yes. girls. Um, it's slut shaming and slut-shaming. trivializes yep. eating disorders. Oh, one of these is said, no one has a better sense of humor than my gay boys. I've definitely tweeted that. Um, <laughs> geez, listen, if you're a straight woman in the industry, you can say whatever you want. About <laughs> they, they, they treat you like a, a walking doll. It's, it's part of the deal. So, yeah. Love that. This is honestly, this list is shorter than I thought it would be. I remembered a lot more people being on here. Okay, the first one on the list is Adam Lambert. Um, Adam Lambert. Um, I feel like he's the type of celebrity who want who like wishes he could get canceled now just for the like. Oh, yeah, no. I feel like he <laughs> he would intentionally say some shit. Um, let me guess. I think he probably, I guess, appro- I, since they're all appropriating uh, mm. Native American things, so he definitely did that. <laughs> and maybe he trivialized um, pansexuality <laughs> uh, having three people make out at the American Music Awards. Normalize it. Um, Normalize okay. it. <laughs> I'm going to say um, he smoked bath salts at a concert and then yelled out um, slurs. Yeah. Oh, that's good. He's, yeah, he's definitely a bath salt slur yeller yeah. wait not found not found oh that is that is a dark dark place to be your page getting deleted what i oh my god i just searched for him on the blog and there's nothing all right adam lambert i guess you're safe <laughs> i guess you're not problematic good for you oh benedict cumberbatch is on here oh god okay with all of his uh, cumber bitches. Hmm. Um, he appropriated time travel from like Ooh. A, from a specific tribe that has mythology about time travel. Okay, love, love. Um, I'm gonna say he called someone a big fatty. Um, let's find out. Ooh, this is long. Oh, oh my God. God. What? There's like a big ass paragraph at the beginning. Okay. Um, compared autistic people to Frankenstein's monster. This is like, a, this is a really long paragraph. <laughs> my theory is that your face problematic purposely went ham on uh, Benedict because he they wanted a reaction from the company. Yeah. They knew it would be a... Say, yeah. Let's see. Said he had been. Wait, hold on. I look. This is confusing. One quote is I look in a mirror and I see all the faults I've lived with for 35 years. And yet people kind of go nuts for certain things about me. What? Oh, was it ableist because it's like going nuts? (laughs) Is it? Uh, I'm so confused. Hold on. Let's see what it links to. Oh, it's just like an article with the quote. That's so interesting. Oh my God, wait, he said, there's a quote, I want to be able to play trailer-bound fatties in a Judd Apatow comedy. He said fatties. Okay, (laughs) everyone wants to be in a Judd Apatow comedy. He said, in America, I could play everything from trailer trash to Harvard educated. Okay. That's what what it was? Uh, uh, That's the the whole quote. (laughs) Oh, 
recently performed a reading of R. Kelly's Genius, a mockery designed to show the absurdity of the lyrics, which reinforces the class and race hierarchy. It's R. Kelly. <laughs> oh my God. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Okay, let's do one more. And then I'll tell you my theory about why this, why okay. your thing is problematic is problematic. Okay, love. Um, let's find... Let's let's make it good. Let's make it juicy. Is Lindsay Lohan on it? Is Lindsay Lohan? No, I looked. I was so disappointed. Uh, uh, is Britney Spears? Let's see what the, what could they possibly have beef with Britney? Why Spears? do they not have Britney Spears? Yeah, this this is not as I don't know, not as much as I was expecting. Okay, is Bill Clinton on it? How many layers have they had? Like presidents. <laughs> They're like list of war crimes. Exactly. Um, Spotted at the Hague. No. Zoe de Chanel. Okay, let's do Zoe de Chanel. Okay. They're gonna say she embodied the manic pixie dream girl trope, and that was bad for women, even though she made a living. From- I'm gonna say she gentrified something. <laughs> she gentrified a city. Five hundred days of summer gentrified downtown Los Angeles. And gave a problematic uh, depiction of the public transport system in LA when it's actually terrible. I believe it. Oh my God. Okay, let's see. Appropriating the kimono. She has a quote. Actresses have definitely gotten thinner over the course of my lifetime. Women I admired growing up. Uh, Deborah Winger, Diane Keaton, Meryl Shrew were all beautiful and thin, but not too thin. There are a lot of actresses who are unhealthy, skinny, much, much too skinny. You can't Pilates to that. I'm a very small person. Okay, that's... What? Oh, repeatedly plays manic pixie dream girl roles, which are roles that define the character as being there solely for the male character's legend is shown as white women. (laughs) Yay! Yay! Yep. I've read every manic pixie dream girl thing piece ever. Oh and my gosh. Been leading up to this moment. So. That's incredible. You got the manic pixie <laughs> dream girl ride. I got the fatties ride. Um, I feel like we both won. What's your uh what's your favorite problematic theory? Do tell. Well, I, I think a lot of these things, I'm sure there's some things that you know are, are legitimately bad, like yelling slurs and all that. But mm-hmm. a lot of it is just how people talk in private companies. So people, Zoe de Chanel as a woman in the movie industry, she's going to talk to her friends about body image expectations. And is it going to be totally PC behind closed doors? No, mm-hmm. but that's just like her experience. And um, I think it's a lot of, they're taking things out of context, this website. Yeah. I think it's just, I don't know. It's so weird to have it like in a, a list form because then you can argue anyone's like the worst person on earth. If if yeah. anyone had a list of like every fucked up thing they've said or done. Well, that's why I think Lena Dunham is so interesting mm-hmm. is because she got famous when she was 23. And then I just remember like, it was like clockwork. It was like the cycle of the moon, like how often she got canceled for just saying something a little bit dumb <laughs> but she always managed to come back but it was just interesting because it was like okay so what are actually our standards here you know honestly i treat lena dunham articles like uh you know those like florida man crime stories exactly yes. i just i see it i giggle at the headline and i move on move on.org and also i think what's wrong with that website is like mel gibson so i think it has azealia banks 
and Mel Gibson. So you have to, we have to think about like, Azalea Banks' career has been like, you know, she's been blackballed for things mm-hmm. that she's tweeted. Mel Gibson has like outrageous allegations and things he said. And he's still like, you know, in movies with, uh, you know, big celebrities, Mark Wahlberg and all that. And it's like, okay, there's yeah. definitely double standards here, but on this website, everyone's collapsed. Exactly. Like, oh, okay. I wrote down like two quotes from the, the article that the, the blogger wrote. Two ones I really like. And one of them makes a point like that. Okay. In the years since, I've looked back on my blog with shame and regret about my pettiness, my motivating rage, my hard and fast assumptions that people were either good or bad. Who was I to lump together known misogynists with people who got tattoos in languages they didn't speak? I just wanted to see someone face consequences. No one who'd hurt me ever did. And then she goes on to say, meanwhile, other movements, local global unified in their purposes and rooted in progressive philosophies were organizing for actual justice. Looking back, I was more of a cop than a social justice warrior warrior as people, as people on Tumblr had come to think of me. Oh, okay. So she's kind of like relinquishing. Yeah. She sounds pretty self-aware. Yeah. I like that. I was more of a cop than a social justice warrior. Yes. This is very cop behavior. And (laughs) um, yeah, I, I think it goes back to us saying like this different connections people are trying to find online and seeking cathartic justice when everything seems so out of control in our world mm-hmm. and you're trying to get Zoe de Chanel canceled. Like that yeah. is the of the day. Sorry for the abrupt ending. Once again, did not plan for that. My bad. Tee-hee-hee. Um, but you can find Daniel on his website at danielspielberger.com, on Twitter at kpasso underscore Daniel, or on Instagram at kpasso underscore Daniel 1993. And you can also check out his Redbubble for Lindsay Lohan's Last Fan merch, which I need immediately at Lilo's Last Fan on Redbubble. As always, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, at GlamDemon2004, and you can follow the podcast Instagram at Let Me Ruin Your Life Pod and DM for questions and requests. And I will talk to you guys soon. Stay problematic.